Blog Talk Radio. This is Jay Lethal, the undisputed champion of the wrestling world. This is John Sullivan. It's Babs Ayagbusi. Michael Thompson talking. It's the phenomenal AJ Styles. I'm Jerry Rose. Psycho Killer, Kamasa Champa. This is Matt Blair. Thank you for listening to Sportscast Radio. Sportscast Radio. Welcome to Sportscast Radio. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome, welcome. As always, Sportscast Radio coming up to you. Coming to you on a Wednesday night. Coming to you, Luke. I don't know why I leave it like I don't I don't know why that came from. You were you were just going hard. You were like going to it. <laughs> I, I just saw uh that uh our our GM that we haven't decided thoughts on, uh Quesi Adolfo Mensa said uh Kirk Cousins expected to be our quarterback next year. Well, I so. didn't think that was a I didn't think that was a question at all. <laughs> I don't know. It's, it's it's a main headline piece on ESPN right now on their like Jeez. their main page. I feel so. like they need to calm down a little bit. No, it's the okay. number three top headline behind Chargers Staley never felt job was in jeopardy, and Dallas signs kicker Vizcaino as added insurance. That's so goofy. Like, who, who did anyone actually think that? Uh, Freaking Kirk Cousins wasn't going to be the quarterback. Like, come on. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, like, the hate is real. I, I guess, but, like, there, he wasn't there. For everyone who's mad, I will admit I was mad at the choice, but, like, that defense gave up 31 points. <laughs> <laughs> like, well, I don't know. Here's here's my thing, too, and, and uh, Jeffrey Knox, uh, inside the Eagles.com, will be coming on in about 40, 45 minutes talking uh, Eagles playoffs. A little bit late, like I said, 8.45 or so. We've been, I, I've been trying to get him on the show for like three years, and like he ne- it, his, my message never got to him. Yeah. And then suddenly, like a month ago, he was like, oh, my God, I, I did not mean to ignore you for three years. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, how oh, good you want to come on our show in two weeks? He's like, all right. And, and now it's working. Damn, but, uh, I ignored you. Yeah, it's okay. That's that's kind of how I feel about the Eagles anyway. By the way, I, I this is another random. I'm going on more tangents. I went to the um, the over 21 and over store today. Okay. And um, they had a 12-pack a of Sonic hard seltzers. Like Sonic the Restaurant or Sonic yes. the Hedgehog? No, Sonic the Restaurant. And there's a cherry limeade flavor that I haven't got to yet. Is it delicious? I, I just said I haven't got to it yet. But you should get to it. You should open I'm, one right so our listeners can know what to expect. Well, right now, okay, so I just opened Classic Lemonade. Well, shotgun that one. Don't be a little bitch about it. This is pretty good, actually. Oh, it's hard as fuck. I might have to go try them. Where'd you get it from? And this this little little place. You want me to go get one of those cherry ones? No, you can wait. This cherry limeade like it was my favorite beverage in the world. Going to Sonic, get a Route Forty Four one. Okay, I might have to stop at the Over Twenty One store tomorrow and maybe. <laughs> yeah, I've never seen it. I couldn't believe it. Um, but yeah, we, you know, if we're gonna get into that that talk, 
let, let me ask you this thing. If, if, you know, the final play of the game happens. And when you're getting, you're about to get decimated as he was with Dexter Lawrence, knocking through that team like bowling balls. What do you, what do you, what do you do a million times? What have you done a million times in your life? If you're, if you're a quarterback. Check down, baby. Check down. So what did he do? He just did what he always does. I know it wasn't the best play, but as I said to you the other day, did did he think that Xavier McKinney, who's four inches and 30 pounds lighter than TJ Hawkinson, was going to smother him like that? Maybe. Maybe not. You know, maybe he thought Hawkinson was just going to steamroll through him. Maybe he didn't think of any of that. But my question is, why did they run? Did they call a play when they needed eight yards to get a first down, and they had the rest of the people going out fifteen some yards? That is true. I don't know. They should have had more shallow routes. So when you have all these guys running that far, and you got about a second to get rid of the ball, you're not going to be able. To, even if he tried to get it to him, he wouldn't have got it there. And then everyone would have said, "What a noodle alarm!" Yeah, for sure. Like, there's no it – was, it was a no-win situation if you didn't get the first down. Yeah, absolutely not. They would have uh, – even if you would have, like, overthrown him, two people would have probably been like, he took a risk we didn't need to take. Yeah. <laughs> Why didn't he do the check down? <laughs> I'm, just, I'm just saying. I'm just saying. Like, it's 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 an unfortunate thing. You know, the team played hard all year. I really thought that we were going to, like, I was all in. You know I was like, we're going to win. We're going to win the whole thing. Like, that's what I had said. I didn't say that. That's what I said. Yeah. Um, Yeah, no, you went 5-1 in your predictions as you took every team but the Vikings. That was the home team. And you got, well, no, we both got Buccaneers wrong. Yeah, I went, like, 4-2, I think. Yeah, you know, you were five and one. I went four and two. We both That's we, right. we 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 all took the we took Bills, Bengals, and Jags. Both took, right. picked the Niners, and then we Jag. picked Tampa, and then you picked the Giants. I picked the Vikings. Jags baby coming back. Yeah, that was a twenty-seven point lead blown there. Trevor Lawrence threw what four picks in the first half, yeah, and then he comes back and leads them to win. Man, I feel so I, I feel bad for Derwin James. <laughs> Well, look at uh, look at uh, uh, what's his name, uh, the Asante Samuel Jr. or whatever. He's you know he had three picks on that guy, and then they blow the game. Like, what is he thinking? Trade me, ref. Coach, <laughs> what did you think of Joey Bosa's rant? Did you see that? I did. I saw him like smash his helmet, um, on the. Like on the sidelines, but I didn't see any interviews or anything. Yeah, he he. Um, some people kind of told him to to calm it down a little bit, and and some some. Uh, yeah, he like he he said today, I need to be more accountable for my actions, obviously. But it's a heated game, and I'm hurting out there. I'm playing on half a leg. I'm getting dragged to the ground. Whatever. Uh, whatever could hurt me along with screwing our team. Yeah, maybe some of them weren't as blatant as I thought, but I don't know. Um, but his his uh, his main tirade. I'm trying to find the actual the actual full quote. He said, 
I'm sick of these effing people. Obviously, he said fucking. Uh, if I say something to them, I get a $40,000 fine. But if they blow a call that ruins an entire team season, they'll probably be back in the locker after the game like, ha ha, got that asshole. Oh, yeah, got him 15 yards. What a loser. He said, how is it fair for me who was out there playing my butt off and there's a missed call? No. To be fair, though, there's missed calls in every game. Yeah. So you live you live by it, you die by it, and a missed call didn't lose him that game there. No. No. <laughs> they're, uh, they're, uh, lastly, he said, I say something and he's going to run up into my face. What, what grown man in a position that, that he's in? Oh, what did you say to me? What did you say to me? Like he's antagonizing me. <laughs> yeah. You're right though. That didn't cost him the game. You you don't you don't blow a twenty seven nothing lead and then not not do anything in the second half. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I they, totally they, they, all they got was a field goal. Yeah, that it's like that offense just gave almost gave up or lit off the gas. It gave me remnants of what game was that with the Vikings a few years ago. Remember, we were ahead by like. <sighs> And we just, like, gate, like at halftime, we were ahead by, like, 21 points or something. And, like, we just, like, quit trying. <laughs> I forgot what game it was. But we were ahead, and then just, like, we quit. Like, we were up, like, 21-0 at half or something. And then when we came out, we just started to – all we did was run the ball, and we never passed it again. Yeah, it's it's like they go into – I always call it – it's the Jacques Lemaire syndrome. When the Minnesota Wild and the Jacques Lemaire days would be, would be winning – by like two, three goals, and then they would just sit there and kind of hang back and dump it into the zone and just play defense and just not worry about keeping the the pressure on, and then they would blow the lead every time. Yeah. Yeah, totally agree. Yeah, I I get I get a uh, Joey Bosa's mad, but like your offense quit trying. And and what did, what does that say about his defense too? Thirty one points in the second half. <laughs> Just means that Trevor Lawrence is a boss. <laughs> Duval, baby. Um, they obviously move on now to take on Kansas City. I, I, I mean, can can Lightning strike twice? No, I think, I think Kansas City's too good. They got the best quarterback in the league, who's pro, who has the best tight end in the league, who's proven that he doesn't need. Tyree Kill, and that he can get by with Juju Smith-Schuster and uh, what what's his name, Nicole Hardman, right? That's his name, right? Yeah. <laughs> and then did, did Sky Moore ever play this year? He did, but uh, they put him on like the punt team, and then he fumbled the ball twice in a game, and then he hasn't played. <laughs> yeah, sixteen Four games guys. played. He got thirty-three targets. Uh, caught 22 of them, 250 yards, no touchdowns. Yeah, and the, he did mostly kick returns and punt returns. And, like, there was a game, I want to say it was the Bills, he fumbled, like, two ga- two punts in a row, and they, like, quit playing him almost, it seemed like. Uh, Isaiah Pache- uh, Pacheco had He's 29 tight. attempts on the kickoffs. Yeah, Sky Moore, 14 punt returns. Um, three kickoffs. Yeah, I mean, you know, uh, they just seem too tough. I think for Jacksonville, like I don't, I don't want to like 
downplay the Jaguars because I I think look literally we we were ecstatic that this team was able to come back and you know do something like they did after yeah. being the um you know with with the way that they they turned it around after a year but I just I, I mean, think they're too a, they're too young I think. You know, Patrick Mahomes has been in the league a while now. Most of his talent has too, and they're they're running on a running back who you could consider this his rookie year. I mean, he was hurt all last year with his ACL, and Trevor Lawrence, who yeah, this is his second year, right? Third year, second year. Um, somebody, somebody, somebody else said, um, oh, where did that go? Um, I just had it was uh, came in on Twitter. Where did it go? Um, basically, it was what if we didn't bring in O'Connell and and Cam, and we would have kept Spielman and signed Doug Peterson? Um, I don't know. <laughs> I don't like to play the what if game because, like, yeah. what if what if Urban Meyer wasn't a joke last? <laughs> like, I I don't know. I think Kevin O'Connell did a great job this first year being a coach. They him and Kowasi fucked up the draft, but we don't want to talk about that. But other than that, they did fine. Man, yeah, I just I don't I don't think there's anything wrong with this team. I just well, the, let's there is forget too. the defense. Yeah, oh, the defense is the defense is hot ass. Yes, I, 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 I agree with all that. But like, what I what I'm saying too, uh, you know, if you if you look at the NFC East, we got three teams in the divisional round. That's right, they do. <laughs> you know, so it's not like uh, it's not like we got beat, you know, by some bums. No, you know, now, now what if the Giants go in and beat and beat Philly? Uh, I don't see that happening. I don't see that happening. But um, if it does, I, Brian Dable is going to look like the guru of Daniel Jones. <laughs> <laughs> like. If they go, if they go into Philly and beat Philly, I I don't even know what to say. I would, do you give them what kind of a, a chance do you even give them? I give them like a, I don't know. I'm gonna give them a twenty percent. Twenty percent. Twenty percent. I'm gonna give them a twenty percent. I think the way that they can beat them is the way that they beat the Vikings. Keep. Keep the pedal on the floor, let Saquon be Saquon, and then only have Daniel Jones have to make plays to make plays, if that makes sense. Like, you don't want to put Daniel Jones, I think, in a situation where he's forced to throw the ball, because that's when I think he'll start to try to squeeze it in. And I think that was the issue last week with the Vikings. The Vikings never put Daniel Jones in a position where he was forced to try to make something happen. He could just make it happen because it happened. They they didn't force Daniel Jones to, beat, to try to beat us. Yes. So I think yeah, that's I, fair. 
yeah, I think if they do if they do that this week, they have a chance. But I just I just think that um, Philly's too much. I think they're the most complete team in the playoffs. To be honest, um, they have I think they have a top ten player at every position on defense. And not like level level wise, like you know, like defensive line. I think they have a top ten secondary. They have a top ten and linebacker. They have a top ten, and then that offense just has so many weapons and so much speed that it's hard to stop. They played in New York week fourteen, beat them forty eight twenty two, and then the last game of the season in Philly, they won twenty two sixteen. But obviously, obviously that was a, yeah, exactly. That is a big difference with that. <laughs> Jalen Hurts is my boy for MVP. Jalen Hurts. Um. Yeah, I just I think you're right. I don't think I don't think they're going to be able to beat Philly. I think Philly's going to be rested. They're going to be focused. But here's the thing: is now can you you got to figure this means Philly has to beat this team three times in one year. That is true. God, I'm yawning. Why am I yawning, Ryan? Um, that is absolutely true, which is hard to do. It's hard to beat the same team three times. I'm sure it's only happened a handful of times in the NFL. I'm sure if we look that up. Um, but at the same time, I feel like that would benefit the Eagles more because like, they, know, they know how to beat them because they've done it twice. But at the same time, New York knows how not to lose twice. <laughs> it sounds it sounds like a it sounds like um uh it's a catch Gloria Gloria from White Man Can't Jump. Sometimes when you win you actually lose. Did you watch that? All right, yeah, I told you I wasn't gonna watch it last night. Oh yeah, yeah. Well, you're gonna watch you're gonna I'm gonna watch it Friday, tomorrow. That's, no, that's Friday. Friday. Um that's it. I want to. I want to look that up here. You, you know, you got me curious on that stat. How many times has an NFL team beat another three in one? Okay, somebody already. Said. How, how hard is it to beat a team three times in one season? Let's see. Since the merger, there's been 21 instances, and the sweeping team has gone 14 and seven. So. Uh, in the 17 instances where the postseason home team swept their playoff opponent during the regular season, the home team went 12 and five. That's crazy. Hmm. So maybe maybe the Eagles do have a better chance. Yeah. Maybe. Uh. Maybe my uh my my statistic analogy was fucking wrong. It sounds like <laughs> it. <laughs> Yeah, I I think I think I'm with you. Philly wins. I think KC wins, like we said. I think the two number ones go on. San Francisco, they had a little bit of a problem until Brock Purdy started going in a little bit in that second half. I think they were down 17-14 at half or going into half or near half, yeah. and then Purdy just turned it up. Seattle couldn't. They just couldn't compete with it. Um, Brock Purdy you, for MVP. You you, you just said Jalen Hurts for MVP. No, Brock Purdy for MVP. I think everyone <laughs> should get an MVP. You get an MVP. I'm you get an MVP. Um, but then Dallas went into Tampa, which which 
you were on the Brady's win another Super Bowl trade. Like, so I thought you, for you sure. Had, you had given Dallas no chance. I didn't. You were right. Uh, I did not. And Dak Prescott beat the hell out of them. Beat them senseless. But to be, let's be honest here. That defense did a lot, all right? We we can't give all the credit to Dak, if any credit to Dak, all right? I'm just saying, if if they go in with that intensity, they beat the Niners? Um, I don't, I just, I don't know, man. I think, I think this game is going to be very close. I do. I think it's going to be very close. And I honestly think it's going to come down to two different factors. It's going to come down to how well can Dak play and which defense does better. That's fair. In, in my opinion. Because I, I think San Francisco's offense is so well run that almost no, I shouldn't say any QB can be successful in it, but I mean any QB can be successful. <laughs> <laughs> I mean you got mystery relevant Brock Purdy, you got Jimmy Garoppolo, you had Alex Smith a few years ago. Granted it was a different coach, but it seems like any quarterback always works in that city for whatever. <laughs> yeah. But um I I think I think the 49ers will win. I want the 49ers to win. Um but I think it's going to be very close. Do you think if San Fran doesn't doesn't come out of the gate right away the like like the same way they did against Philly, it's going to be just one of those too little, too late type things, like with Dallas being such a more dominant team, I feel, than Seattle is? I don't think so. I, I don't know. I guess it depends on how far up they go. Like, if it's a 21-0 lead in, like, the second quarter, I, I, think, I think there's only a few defenses in this league that can – bring you back, like, keep you in a game down by 21, if that makes sense. And I think San Francisco is one of them. I think they can make stops to give that offense the ball. Now, the question is if that offense can perform like they have the last few weeks. Yeah. I mean, the way they were shredding that secondary was – I mean, was was just immaculate. It was, and I mean, to to the Seahawks' um, success in that first half. I mean, Geno Smith was making the Forty Nine ers secondary look bad. I mean, he hit DK Metcalf for like a fifty or sixty yard touchdown uh, in the second quarter. So I mean, it wasn't just them getting killed, but. Uh, it seemed like in the second half, Gino just didn't know what he was doing after that. Or they made changes. So that's a good – I mean, San Fran might have went into the thing, made the changes they need. So that's like a proof that that defense can make the changes they need to come back or to keep yep. their offense in the game. So 
Yeah, I think they schemed well for him after, and I, I think that yeah. was one of the tickets. And I think, look, Brock Purdy, I mean, he's, he played five games before this. So it's like he, he's never seen playoff football. He's never seen what it, what's different about it, things like that. And yeah. sometimes you just got to, you know, look at, look, same thing with Trevor Lawrence. It took him, he was garbage in the first half. He was worse than Purdy. That's right. He figured it out. Now they both make it in. Uh, leaves us to one more game this week. Oh, are you going Niners or Cowboys? I'm going to go Niners. I'm going to go Dallas with the upset. I bet you are. I heard their quarterbacks aren't intelligent. Jeez. Come on now. Moron. Especially Um, that Troy Aikman. He was trash for all you Cowboy fans out there, right? I don't um, care that he won three Super Bowls. Good God. Um... (laughs) So I just I feel like somebody's I feel like one of the low seeds are winning again this weekend, and it's not going to be Jacksonville. I don't think I don't think it's the Giants. And you, we got one more game on the docket. This was the exact same game that was supposed to happen, you know, three weeks ago or whatever. Uh, same city, same teams, Bills and Bengals. Uh, although it's, it was in Cincy, excuse me. This is in Buffalo. Is this game going to have a different feel to it just because? Or is this just kind of business? I think you have two teams that are playing for two different reasons. You got the Cincinnati Bengals who are playing to for their revenge back to the Super Bowl after losing on the last play. And then you got the Bills who are playing for DeMar Hamlin. So they're, they're both playing for two different reasons. I think as much as I love Josh Allen, I think Cincinnati wins. Yeah. And like the part of the reason I didn't include them with the, the upset is I don't know if it's an upset to me. Yeah, I think these teams are very evenly matched. You know, if Cincy would have won that game, they they'd be the home team right now. But we'll never know. So it's to me, this is two very even teams. And I mean, you know, you look at the, you know, we obviously both of these teams, just like the Jaguars, had to squeak out a victory. Buffalo almost lost this game to Miami. Yeah, they did. To, I mean, to Skyler Thompson who hasn't won more than four games in a college football (laughs) I mean, if if they had two, I don't think Buffalo's playing this weekend. I think think they are because uh, Buffalo would just give him a concussion. No, no, I'm saying like if he was healthy and played the whole game, I don't think Buffalo beats him. Oh, you mean if if he played the whole game. Okay, I I get what you're saying now. I was like, I think if he played, he just would have got another concussion. <laughs> He'd be I, like, hey, what's that movie with the big dude where they count down his concussions till he can't play no more? Do you remember? Oh, uh, what was or, that? Is it Varsity Blues? It might have been. I yeah, don't want no life. Yeah, and they're like, <laughs> JJ, you only got two more, and he smokes the wall on the way out to the field, and they're just like, oh, only one. <laughs> Wait, wasn't that a par- was that a par- that was a parody movie? Was it was it not another teen movie then? Yeah, yeah, that's what that's it was. What it is. 
because we were parodying uh, Varsity was yeah, that was definitely it. That was definitely yeah. it. Because <laughs> otherwise, why would they wouldn't be counting somebody's concussions in a real movie? Like they yeah. don't know about these concussions. Well, back when Varsity <laughs> Blues was out, CTE wasn't a thing, bro. Okay. <laughs> I just I feel like Buffalo played awful in this game. Like yes, they scored thirty one points. You know, they had the miraculous opening play kickoff that. Everyone was like, oh, my God, how perfect was that? And it was, to be honest with you. I, I, I choked up a little bit when I saw that. I was like, no way, that's awesome. You know, it was really yeah. cool. But Miami Miami proved that either either Miami's better than anybody gave them credit or Buffalo was just really bad. I don't know which one of the two it is. Um, I don't know either. I don't know which one it is. And then the Bengals... They almost blew it too. I mean, had, had Huntley not fumbled, they wouldn't be here. They, they, right. they would have been down they, two scores. They Josh Allen that shit just on the mm-hmm. reverse side of the field. Yeah, like so you realize that it could be the one seed Chiefs against the seven seeded Dolphins, and the six seeded Ravens are playing the five seeded Chargers. That's what all literally almost happened. Like those games went as, down to the end of the game. Entertaining. <laughs> that, I just, I, I mean, I also, I also think this also you you can you can say that I think the AFC is a lot tougher than we realized. Well, I think it was a lot tougher than the NFC going into the season. I mean, there's only really maybe two juggernauts in the NFC now in San Francisco and the Eagles, but we were kind of unsure at the beginning of the season what the Eagles were going to be like. Do you think if we would have had the two seed, we would have beat Seattle? Yeah. I do. Do you think the Giants would have beat the Niners? No. So that means had that happened – it would have been Eagles, Eagles, Dallas, and us and the Niners still, yeah. So we would have got the same opponent. Mm-hmm. I don't know. So, so you're going Chiefs, Bengals, Niners, Eagles? That's it right there. I'm going to go – I'm going to go Bills, Chiefs, Eagles, Cowboys. I like, the, I like those picks from you. Because I need something different to try to catch up from last week where I lost one. That's right, you do. Um, yeah, it was. I'll tell you what, though. You know, when they're like super wild card weekend, I, that was probably one of the best like weekends of football like that I've seen. Yeah, the there were definitely a lot of more entertaining games. I feel like wild card weekends either like it's a complete blowout or. <laughs> um, and, like, the teams that made it, like, the worst teams, like, show why they were the worst, like, why they were the worst team. Yeah. But yeah, like, Miami did every- not play, like, the worst playoff team of the AFC. Yeah. And then the, um, who, who was the seventh seed for the Seattle. Uh, NFC? Yeah, and even Seattle, well, in the first half, I should say. Yeah. But, I mean, they, they didn't, you know, yes, obviously, San Francisco looked to do what they're, you know, what they should have done, but they didn't look, you know, pedestrian yeah. to it. Um, 
so we got we have we have about fifteen ten fifteen minutes here. Um, you want to run over our trade ideas, or you want to do some three strikes? Let's do some three strikes. Yeah, I, I do like me some three strikes. I like you. This uh, thing's being real janky tonight. Why is it being janky? What did you do to it? There it goes. Promo code WrestleCast, 15% off your order. Supplements, energy drinks, whole bunch of good products over the guys at Rep Sports. They got really good energy drinks. Raise energy. Go, go get yourself some stuff. Get swollen up like Alex has just got to. He looks like Rusev now. That's scary. By the way, uh, RIP, we're going to talk about it a lot tomorrow, but Jay Briscoe uh, died yesterday in a car accident. I guess a woman veered into his lane and basically was a head-on collision uh, with their truck. So, sucks. Uh, wrestling world is really taking it hard. If you look on uh, social media, there's a lot of people really broken up by it. And I know it's going to hit me soon because Jay Briscoe was one of my, probably one of my favorite Ring of Honor wrestlers of all time. Um, part of the reason I had put him into the S1 over on Summit was I was going to start using him as a singles wrestler and I really wanted to really wanted to start pushing him and my goal was to I kind of was hoping he was going to win the whole thing and then I really start using Jay Briscoe a lot now uh, I think I'm going to take him out of the tournament and put his brother in or something but I just yeah I was like no I can't I can't put him in there oh man that sucks 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 his uh, 12-year-old and 9-year-old daughters were in the car, and I guess they're in stable condition at the hospital, but hopefully hopefully that they're okay at the long run because that would suck too. That's Ugh. awful. Yeah. So, RIP Jay Briscoe, man, one of the one of the top guys. I got a, I got a great picture with Jay Briscoe when they were here. It was a lot of fun. But anyway, three strikes. Uh, would you like to go first, or would you like to go second? I'll go first. All right, what do you got for me? Hold up, my screen's my screen's being weird. I can't get it to stop. What is happening? I broke it. <laughs> last week I hit you with the. Uh, can you name me the last ten defensive players of the year or rookies of the year? And you were uh, a little a little egregiously upset by it. I was. Because you went freaking hard. I didn't go hard. You were out yeah, here you like... Did. I got, we both only got three right. Yeah, you should have got more, though. All right, ready? Yes, I am ready. All right, so top ten pass deflections. Oh. Like, so which players had the most pass deflections in twenty twenty in this last season? Oh, and I God. And I will give you a hint, because this one's hard. You know... You should know every person on this list except for maybe two. There was two I didn't know, and three of the players on this list are rookies. Oh, my God. I went easy as hell this week, too. I gave you a layup. 
I might have to give you a different one. I have backups written down. Um, Sauce Gardner. Number one, 20 pass uh, deflections. Uh, Derek Stingley. He is not on the list. Fart. Um, Trent McDuffie. He is not on the list. Kyle Hamilton. He is not on the list. Dang, I was going rookies. I thought you teed me up to do those. Cool, nah. I got one right. Uh, <laughs> I'll let you hear. Hutchinson? Uh, no. I, so, I don't know if those count as pass deflections. Is that the line? Do those count as pass deflections? They should. They're beating a pass down. Here, I'll let you restart with Sauce Gardner because you focused on the rookies. You do – so one of the players I don't think you would know is a rookie. The other rookie you do know for sure. Um, but I'll let you restart with Sauce Gardner with zero strikes so you don't Sorry. focus on the rookies. Are you telling me it's, it's not like linemen then? No, there is no – so every player on this list is a corner or a safety. Okay, okay. All right, let's let's see here. Um, I do have another rookie in mind that I want to do. Um, I'll save him. Okay, uh, let's see here. Darius Slay. That is your first strike. Wow. Um. Uh, Jalen Ramsey. He is number two with eighteen. All right, number two. Um, Derwin James. That is your second strike. Jesus, Lord. Tariq Woolen, baby. He's number five with 50. Yeah, yeah let's go. <laughs> um, was Marcus Peters. That is your third strike. God bless America. I got three. So... Number three is James Bradbury from the Eagles with 17. Number four is Darius Williams from the Jags with 16. You got Tariq Woolen. Uh, number six was Tyson Campbell, safety with 15. Oh, from the I should have gotten him. Uh, so this is one I didn't know, but this dude's not a rookie. I just don't know who he is. Um, number seven, Michael Davis from the Chargers. Uh, this was the other rookie that I didn't know. Number eight, Martin Emerson Jr. from the Browns. Number nine, our homeboy Patrick Peterson. Wow, I was going to say Harrison Smith. I didn't think Peterson would have been on there. But... And then number ten was a tie between two players, so I would have accepted either one. One was Cameron Sutton from the Steelers, and then one was Denzel Ward from the Browns. Ah, I should have got Denzel Ward when I said Derwin James. All right, well, you're going to take the lead because, I, like I said, I teed you up here. Um, I, I, name me the top 10 NFL leading jerseys for 2022. Top 10. Who's who the top 10 player? You did this at the start of the season, and I think I got one. <laughs> I'm just letting you know. Um, shit. I'm a, Justin Jefferson. Uh, Justin Jefferson is number seven. Okay. Um, I'm going to go rookie. Kenny – no, I'm going to go Sas- – oh, God. Um, hold on. <laughs> I'm going to go – is this for the whole season? Whole season for 2022 in its entirety. 
I'm going to go Sauce Gardner. Ah, uh, that is your first strike. Damn it. All right, I'm going to go Kenny Pickett. So that is your second strike. Jesus. Um. <laughs> I might not see that off. Yeah, I'm going to go. The, the issue with jerseys is, like, if I was a Jets fan, I would have bought us. You know what I mean? So that's what I'm yeah. trying to think. Like, well, you, you Think outside of that, though. Like, if you're, you live in Minnesota, but you don't want to buy a Vikings jersey, who would you buy type thing? This isn't going to be one, but oh, maybe will. I'm going to go Patrick Mahomes. Number three. Okay. Um, I'm going to go – maybe I'm just going to go down that road then. Um, are there any rookies? Uh, no. Oh, weird. Okay. Um, Jamar Chase. Uh, that is your third strike. Really? He's not on there? That's crazy. Wow. Um, seven of the ten were quarterbacks. One? Nope. Okay. He was my other one I was thinking about, but I can't <laughs> figure out. Number one was Josh Allen. I thought you See, knew I, that for sure. I just, I don't know. See, I think about jerseys I'd want to buy. So I'm like, yeah, I thought uh, Josh Allen was like your favorite player, I thought. He's like my favorite quarterback, but, like, I don't know. I'd rather have a Sauce Gardner jersey than him. Yeah, I, I, facts, I would, too. <laughs> uh, number two, Micah Parsons. Yeah, see, I went to guess him. Number three was Mahomes, you got. Number four, Joe Burrow. I was going to guess him, but then I went Mahomes, and then I forgot about Joe Burrow. <laughs> number five, CeeDee Lamb. Yeah, see, I wouldn't have ever guessed him either, because... Number six, Dak Prescott. Yes, yeah, it's, it's gonna. I should have thought yeah, it's Cowboys. Like, yeah. yeah. Uh, number seven, Jefferson. Number eight, Jalen Hurts. Mm, I should have thought about that one. Number nine, Justin Fields. Ooh. See, I wouldn't have ever guessed him either because at the beginning of the season he was fucking horrible. <laughs> and number ten, TB12. See, I was thinking Brady too, but he had an off season, so I was like, yeah, maybe. Wow, I thought for sure you were going to take a exorbitant lead over me. No, I didn't. Some piece of shit. <laughs> I got lucky. You did that one, I think, at the start of the off season last year when we did our draft special one. You did that, like the off season leaders, and I only got like one because I was going like I was thinking like rookies, like people into the league. I was like, oh, yeah, da-da-da. Yeah, I, uh... Wow, dodging a bullet on that one. Um, also, Uberfax, you are up one to nothing over the house. because I'm tired. Um, right. Are we... Do we want to... We're just going to pause right there. <laughs> I was going to say, do we want to... Are we? Are we running you solo or against competition tonight? We can run against competition. I'm not scared. <laughs> I'm never scared. With that being said, let's let's jump on in here. Jeff, are you with us, sir? Yeah, what's going on? Hey, how we doing, man? Uh, excited excited to get you out here. We've had a, a interesting like four year uh time window that never completed until like a month or two ago. It was uh it was, it was very, very interesting. I love how that works. <laughs> it happens sometimes. Uh you know, with the issues with social media and, you know, just random people just sending you death threats and things of that nature in your inbox, I tend to ignore what people are saying. And sometimes you miss some decent conversations that you should be having or people are reaching out to you you'd rather talk to. So 
I'll take uh, the uh, I'll take the blame for that one. <laughs> no, I was beautiful. I was I I I was I was telling Luke my host here. I was like, oh my god, I for, I totally blanked about this when we were uh, way back when, and then I was like, well, shit, let's just, let's just see where it goes. <laughs> and now, ironically, couldn't couldn't have been in a in a better spot with with the team that you write about um, in in the, in the the playoffs here. And, and real quick before we just start diving into this team, why don't you go ahead and introduce yourself to all of our listeners and where they can read all your work and everything. Jeffrey Knox, editor inside the Eagles, been covering Philadelphia Eagles football. Um, actually started it with ACC basketball and football, moved along to the SEC and the ACC football side of things. Uh, been covering the Eagles in some capacity for nine years now. Next year will be my 10th year covering them and my sixth year at Fansided, which is 15 years old. So on the day-to-day, I run InsideTheEagles.com, I-G-G-L-E-S. And um, we just have fun, man. We live in a dream. You get to talk about the team that you grew up rooting for your entire life. And I'm fortunate, man. I tell people all the time that I don't actually work when I wake up in the morning. I just get up <laughs> and I just do what random people would normally be doing. We talk about football and we get paid for it. And they, for some reason, paid me a healthy salary to do so. So I'm fortunate. <laughs> <number one. laughs> That's what we like to hear. I, I, I have to say, too, it, it's a very love-hate relationship as as uh, we're based out of Minnesota. So, we have a lot of uh, angst towards you guys beating the crap out of us a few years ago in the NFC Championship, and uh, also at the beginning of this season, as we can never seem to beat the Eagles. But I tell you what, man, when I was a kid, you know, I was probably 10 years old, Randall Cunningham was the, like, the be-all, end-all for me when it came to, to football, and when the Vikings got him, oh, I was the happiest man alive, and of course, we still couldn't win, but I've, I've always was- had those ties. That was one of those close calls, man. Like, um, and as an African-American man, I do have to say, man, one of the joys about being a Philadelphia Eagles fan was um, the fact that they actually proved to me and gave a lot of us hope because we realized that African-American men could play the quarterback position and do it at a high level, whether that be Randall, uh, moving on to Rodney Pete, Michael Vick, Donovan, and now Jalen. Um, it's just, it's just, it's an honor to actually pull for this team and actually seeing Ray Rose actually be a head coach at one point. So it's an honor to pull for this team and things of that nature. Uh, I've been an Eagles fan for as long as I can remember. The first memory I think I have, and this is probably going to tell my age, but the first memory I have of them was seeing them lose to the Raiders in the Super Bowl in 1980. Um, <laughs> I cried like a baby because of that. And, um, you know, with – so much of my family being from Philadelphia and things of that nature, it was just inherent. It was part of your family. It's what you did. You were just an Eagles fan. My father loved the Eagles, Sixers and Phillies, so I loved the Eagles, Sixers and Phillies. You know, a huge Dr. J fan. But it was Randall that made me become a diehard fan and been here ever since. That's that's awesome. That's awesome. Yeah. Great, great history. I, I, uh, I'm tr- I was trying to think of like the the, the lineage of, of, of jerseys with Philly, and I I can I can comfortably say that I've probably I had th- I've had three McNabs in my day. I had a stack house in Iverson of those old school Sixers, and I had this like ridiculously dope black, orange, and red Eric Linderos jersey, uh, like his rookie year. And oh, I yeah. wish I wish I could have somehow saved that just to look at it. It was the coolest looking 
jersey I ever that seen. That would be God. worth a penny or two if you could have somehow dig that up and, you know, pull that one out of the time capsule and everything, man. But it's interesting <laughs> you was actually bringing up Randall because um, – it was it was heartbreaking for me to see Randall Cunningham in a Minnesota Vikings jersey and just seeing him with Chris Carter, who, as you will know, was actually who actually began his <laughs> career with the Philadelphia Eagles. Watching them have the type of success that they were having and just gave you like thoughts about. So this is what it would have been like had we put an offensive line in front of Randall Cunningham and given him some weapons. <laughs> this is what we yeah. could have had for so many years. But um, I cheered for Randall during that season. Um, as you mentioned, it's unfortunate it didn't work out the way that uh, we all had hoped. But, you know, there's no guarantee they would have beaten the Denver Broncos anyway. So, I guess yeah. things turn out as they should have. Yeah, Denver was, Denver was tough. And, you know, and, and, and that, like you said, with that quarterback lineage, it goes in right now. Jalen Hurts, Philadelphia number one seed going in here as they get a, a tough divisional matchup. They got to beat the Giants now for a third time. Kind of what's thought process is going into uh, Saturday night here? Um, any, any nerves, any, any worry having to beat this team three times? I'll be honest with you, man. I think that's a miss. Um, I don't actually have the numbers in front of me. I'm not sitting in front of my computer, but I actually looked that up. And when we're talking about teams meeting a team for the third time in the same season, it's really not the difficult task that everybody says it is. I think the last 22 times it's happened, the team that's won the first two actually ended up winning the third. <laughs> yeah. So it was I think that's, this is one of those miss buses we kind of got to throw out there. But um, to answer your question, um, five. In the playoff game too, we actually I, I got that on my computer screen from earlier. Yeah, fourteen seven and then twelve and five when they had the home playoff game. So fourteen and seven, twelve and five. Okay, so I'm close. But uh, to be to be honest, Mel, um, with all due respect to the Giants and everything, um, everybody knows that's really been the Eagles' main rival for most time, and um, we tend to have more angst towards the Dallas Cowboys just typically because we just can't stand Dallas Cowboy fans; they're more annoying. <laughs> There's there's the rivalry between the Giants and Eagles, but there's actually also a mutual expect, a respect there as well. Their companion pieces tied together in history. Um, but in speaking of history, and though none of this has anything to do with the coming game, we're talking about, I believe, it's 21 out of the last 25 and somewhere around 24 out of the last 30. So <laughs> history's on our side. Um, I, I think – though some people may have stated that they probably wanted to see the Vikings win and we wanted that second shot at Dallas after what happened on Christmas Eve. I think this was actually the most favorable matchup that the Eagles probably could have had uh, based on the familiarity with the Giants' offense and defense, um, based on the fact that you had just seen this team a couple of weeks ago, and now this would be third time, the third time in seven weeks, less than two months. But um, – Regardless of what we've seen from the Eagles over the past month or so and towards the end of the season, the Philadelphia Eagles at their best are probably 15 to 20 times better than the Giants at their best. The Lions opened up at 7.5, moved down to 7, went back up to 7.5. Uh, no fear of the Giants whatsoever. Um, it's a rivalry, but part of, the, part of the main topic of being a rivalry is occasionally the other team has to win sometimes too. <laughs> and um, – I just don't see Daniel Jones walking into a Lincoln financial field with that hostile crowd and um, picking apart an Eagles defense, which, you know, or an offense from the defensive standpoint. But I don't see – I just don't see the Giants coming out on this on the winning side of this one. And I just don't see any opportunities for them to put up the amount of points they're probably going to have to put up to keep up with an Eagles offense that now seems to be functioning at full strength and – 
um, getting some guys back who are healthy. Lane Johnson's going to give it a go. Uh, Jalen Hurts is he's off the injury report. So those there's some discomfort and things as far as that shoulder injury. Um, he looks like he's somewhere around the 85 to 90 percentile range of being healthy. Uh, you get Chauncey Gardner-Johnson back in the secondary. And though the Giants have some secondary help that we didn't see a couple of weeks ago that, you know, could strike some fear into the hearts of the Eagles' um, pass and attack, you have like a Dory Jackson, who I think missed the Week 18 game. Uh, Xavier McKinney missed the Week 18 um, game. But as far as what we have from an offensive standpoint, A.J. Brown, um, Devontae Smith, Miles Sanders, if they actually stick with the running game and give him the ball, Plus the healthy Jalen Hurts, I just don't see what the Giants are going to be able to keep up. Last year the Eagles finished nine and eight on the season. This year fourteen and three. What do you think the key contributors and reasons to the to the added added success of this team is through this season? Um, another year in the same offense and defense. Um, the uh, the the keeping of the same coaching staff. Um, historically, looking back, I mean, this has probably been this story has probably been told 15 to 20 times now that you probably guys have probably heard, and even more so in uh, Philly media and things of that nature. But Jalen Hurts has never had the same coaching staff since high school. Just every single year, you're talking about new head coach or new offensive coordinator having to learn a new offense, things of that nature. So, the consistency of having Brian Johnson, who actually played for his father in high school as a quarterbacks coach, Shane Sykin as an offensive coordinator, Jonathan Gannon remaining as a defense coordinator for a second straight season. Uh, the consistency of having Nick Sirianni there, getting to know him a little bit more, plus um, the added weapons. Um, they got some playoff experience last year. It didn't work out the way we wanted it to against Tampa Bay in the wild card round, but playoff experience is playoff experience. Um, the main concerns we were asking was whether or not Jalen Hurts could actually take the next step as a passer. We knew he was super athletic. We knew he was uber talented, but can he take the next step as a passer? He's been able to do that. And then surrounding him with um, added weapons. The A.J. Brown acquisition was huge. Um, Howie Roseman, who I think it should be a shoe-in for the general manager of the year award, um, he just continued to add pieces. He just got it to the point where he realized this team actually has a shot. And if the Philadelphia Eagles don't raise the Vince Lombardi trophy at the end of the year, it won't be because of Howie, Howie Roseman. Defense side of the ball, uh, Chauncey Gardner-Johnson, that worked out. Um, picking up James Bradbury, who I had no idea why the Giants let him go, <laughs> but uh, picking him up. <laughs> Um, you got Linval Joseph in the middle of the season and Dominican Sue in the middle of the season. And that's allowed for a great rotation as far as the defensive line is concerned. So you got Sweat on the outside, Brandon Graham, who may be the comeback player of the year coming off of an Achilles tear and um, setting a personal best for sacks, things of that nature. This is a good defensive line, and they can rotate guys in. Quietly, Fletcher Cox, who's a future Hall of Famer, when you can sit there and say Fletcher Cox is the wild card and somebody that people don't talk about as often, and that's your future Hall of Famer we're talking about, um, you, you're probably in pretty good shape because we're talking about the best season he's had since 2018, which came right after his Pro Bowl year. Seven and a half sacks for him, somewhere around 43 to 45 tackles, if I'm not mistaken. And then um, the defensive line being what is. Jonathan Gannon probably doesn't get the credit from, that he deserves from a defensive coordinator perspective. Um, you're talking about a team for the first half of the year, led the entire NFL and um, turnover differential, first in the league versus the pass, uh, somewhere around middle of the pack versus the run, but a lot of that's because of explosive plays and having four guys along the defensive line who all have double-digit sacks, which has never happened in the history of the NFL. Um, you gotta, you got to like what they've done and they've assembled. 
going going into this game too here with the Giants, the one thing I felt like the Vikings didn't do that they did on did I mean I guess they really shouldn't even say Christmas Eve because it wasn't that much better anyway. Is I feel like they didn't make Daniel Joseph have to beat him. They they just let Daniel Joseph be a game kind of manager and Saquon did a lot of the work. And it was one of those situations where they never felt in control. It, are the Giants good enough where if you may, or are not good enough, excuse me. Is this a situation where you need to make Daniel Jacobs have to beat you because of his inexperience and him maybe not being as good as he is? Or is this one of those things where doesn't matter how the Giants come out and play, none of their options are going to be able to do enough? You're talking about from an Eagles versus Giants perspective in the division, yeah. what you say? Like, yeah, like, are you, are you, do you want them to make Joseph or Daniel Jones have to beat them? You guys are, you guys are Vikings fans, and I get that and things of that nature. I'm actually going to go the other way with you here. Um, I think you guys' problem is Donatelle, to be honest with you. Um, a lot of people <laughs> have tried to copy that, that Vic Fangio style of defense, things of that nature, and the multiple formations and the defensive front, and you know, trying to keep everything in front of you and playing zone and trying to create pressure with the front four and things of that nature. Um, What's, what's interesting is Vic Fangio's defense has its fingerprints all over what both Donatelle and Jonathan Gannon do. Jonathan Gannon ran it a little bit well. I don't know what Donatelle is doing. If you look at what Daniel Jones has done for the most of the year, um, the New York Giants pretty much had a game plan. We're going to rely on Saquon Barkley. We don't have anybody to throw the ball to. We're going to confuse you by trying to throw with Daniel Jones every so often, but Typically, he runs a little bit more often at the beginning of the games as opposed to the end of games, and then that then sets up the pass via play action or misdirection, RPOs, things of that nature. Um, I honestly have watched every single game the Giants have played this year. I have never seen him throw the ball as much as he threw it against Minnesota a couple of weeks ago and in his last playoff game. (laughs) So there was no fear there. It was like for the first time it's like we don't really trust Daniel Jones, but we trust him to beat Donatelle in this defense. So um, fast forward now a week later to the divisional round, you have a situation where you actually have a, you have a much better defense on the, offset, on the on the defensive side of the ball. Like I mentioned, the combination of Sue Sweat, Joseph, Milton Williams, Javon Hargrave, Brandon Graham, Josh Sweat on the defensive line, uh, second level, C.J. Edwards, who doesn't get the type of credit that I believe he deserves, but actually one of the highest rated, Eagles as far as, like, um, total defense, pass defense, things of that nature from pro football focus. And I know a lot of people have their theories about pro football focus and the statistical engine and things of that nature. But um, we, we subscribe to it and we pay attention to it because it does make sense. And a lot of those pass breakups you're seeing from T.J. Edwards aren't resulting in interceptions or a lot of PBUs. So this isn't just a couple of splash plays that actually made him look better than he was. This is like consistency on a game in, game out play-in, play-out basis. And then when you get to the secondary, I mentioned C.J. Gardner-Johnson, who with the injury to Avante Maddox, which I'm worried about, and I have my concerns that if we see Avante again during the season, it probably won't be until the Super Bowl the Eagles are able to make it, so we're probably without him for the next two games. Hopefully the bye week between the conference championship and the Super Bowl will give him some time to get healthy, and then if he gets healthy, we're not even sure if he'll be 100%. But with the versatility of a C.J. Gardner-Johnson, someone who was actually a slot corner that we transitioned to safety, and someone who's come back into the lineup and can actually transition from a starting safety down to the slot cornerback position, and then you throw Reed Blankenship back there. Um, Barry Slay, James Bradbury have been criticized a lot 
during the course of the latter part of the season. And when you have two cornerbacks who are over 30 and things of that nature, I think that that probably tends to happen. And there were games where it looked like Slay and Bradbury probably could have used the day off. But um, fast forward again, having the vanilla playbook and scheme that they actually ran against the Giants in week 18, not wanting to tip their hand because there was this theory that maybe we could see this team a couple of weeks from now. I think that played dividends for them as well. And with the week for Bradbury Slay to rest, get healthy, get their legs back under them, things of that nature, you're talking about a unit and a, and a, a, a pair of starting corners that we were arguing might have been the best in the league for the first 14, 15 weeks of the season. And I still believe that to be true. Um, I'm probably going to take the over on both of them getting the pick somewhere during the course of the postseason. I hope I'm right. But um, the Giants, from an offensive standpoint, and going back to the original question and things we just pretty much been talking about this whole conversation, the Giants, from an offensive standpoint, I don't see anything in their repertoire that's going to cause you consistent harm during the course of the game. And outside of the Vikings game, we've seen where they can go on long offensive drafts, you know, 15 minutes, 20 minutes. So, um, again, I just don't see where they just got enough firepower to get it done, even if Daniel Jones is clicking on all cylinders. What, what would you like to see from this Eagles team to set the trend um, this weekend versus the Giants? Running the football, I, I really believe that as far as the NFC is concerned, with um, we've reached the Elite Eight so to speak, of football. And um, I, I, I figured that Dallas would probably have some say in how things turned out as far as the postseason was concerned. I don't think any of us had the Giants getting here and getting into the divisional round of the playoffs. So on the, um, the NFC side of things, you have three teams from the NFC East minus Washington. Could have been Washington as well. But um, mm-hmm. then you have the San Francisco 49ers. Um, on the – on the AFC side of things, I think that's where my most fear comes from. I can, I'm concerned about a possible matchup with Joe Burrow, maybe with Josh Allen. The team that truly scares me is the Kansas City Chiefs, but you won't see them to the Super Bowl if you actually have to see them. But, again, as I mentioned, as far as the Giants, I can actually take that same statement and apply it to everybody else in the NFC as well. The Philadelphia Eagles at their best, when they're functioning properly, are better than every other team in the NFC. And I stand by that. And um, the one thing that we can do and the one thing that we have been victim of during the course of the season is actually beating teams consistently, and the losses seem to have come with us not necessarily losing game. Well, they have lost the game, but it's more so of them blowing it. And this team doesn't turn the ball over four times like they did against the Washington Commanders and the Dallas Cowboys on Christmas Eve. This team will win. If this team decides they want to stick with the running game and protect your quarterback who is dealing with a shoulder injury, we're talking about the, the number one offensive line in the National Football League. They may struggle with pass protection from time to time. Um, I wonder if something's wrong with Jordan Maylotta and if he actually recovered fully from that shoulder injury. But if you allow this, this offensive line to fire off, hit people, and be bullies in the running game, this team is virtually unstoppable. But there's a tendency sometimes to want to choreograph wins as opposed to just doing what works. The Eagles want to be a passing team, even though they're one of the most gifted running teams in the league. And if they stick with the running game, use the running game as one of the more um, focused parts of the attack as opposed to adjusting to it because the, the passing game isn't working, I feel like they'll go through um, the, the Giants game in the division around pretty easily, and they should be able to handle whoever wins between the Cowboys and San Francisco, who I think 90% of us is probably going to say this is the Niners. 
Yeah, I I agree. I don't think any team is as complete as Philly is. Um, head to toe. I mean, your guys is you guys, you guys have a damn juggernaut out there. I mean, it, it's it's remarkable looking yeah, at it on did. paper. Is the, the last thing I got for you is uh, that tenth pick you guys got in the draft. Is there anything you want over anything there? Do you want to wait till the season's over, free agency's over? and then kind of analyze what you may need, or is there that diamond you want at 10 that you see there? I've seen mock drafts, and they for some reason believe that Jalen Carter from Georgia is going to fall to the 10th pick in the draft. I don't see that happening. Um, I've seen another (laughs) one from somebody we won't name, but somebody we know who is very well-known in the draft community (laughs) and somebody who we subscribe to as pundits who has stated that B. John Robinson is a pick. I don't, I don't see the value this particular point in football's um, existence as we've seen in the past. The value of running backs has just decreased so much. I wouldn't take a top 10 pick on a running back. Um, we're probably figuring that Will Anderson isn't in the mix at, um, you know, the 10th pick either. Um, they don't need a quarterback, obviously. They seem to have satisfied that need. This could be the year, um, and don't quote me on this, but this could be the year we may actually see a defensive back taken. We have 20 uh, potential free agents actually showing up on the uh, on the uh, ledger as far as, like, March is concerned. So with the salary cap, salary cap constraints, excuse me, that we have, I'm not exactly sure if we'll be able to hold on to a James Bradbury. We've got to make decisions about Javon Hargrave. Brandon Graham is in the last year of his uh of his current deal. So it's Fletcher Cox. Um, Chauncey Gardner-Johnson, we have to talk about him if we're going to get him somewhere. So um, the focus, the business model we've probably seen from Philadelphia over the last 15 years, even back when Andy Reid was actually running the team and serving as a general manager, they tend to build in the trenches and then work their way out. Historically, I think I looked this up the other day, this team has only taken somewhere between three and four defensive backs since 1933 in the beginning of their existence in the first round. Wow. So I'd like to see maybe a defensive back. Doubt that's probably going to happen. Um, you got N'Kobe Dean in the third round this year. You got T.J. Edwards, who I would like to see come back and everything. Linebacker is probably out of there. And in the same situation as defensive backs, the Philadelphia Eagles haven't taken a linebacker in the first round since 1979, and that was Jerry Robinson out of UCLA. Decent player, but historically it just shows us defensive back, linebacker probably isn't a choice. If they don't get the top lineman that they're probably looking for, if um, Hades doesn't freeze over and pigs don't start flying and Jalen Carter does <laughs> fall to number 10. Um, Howie's a value guy. And um, part of the reason we have two first-round picks this year is because he's always about value. He's always trying to stockpile picks and things of that nature. If he doesn't see anything that he likes somewhere around that 10th pick overall, he's probably going to trade back and try to stack more picks and probably get some value later. But um, running back, I'd say no. Um, linebacker, I'd probably say is doubtful even though it would be interesting. Uh, cornerback is a potential, but, I mean, who do we have that's worse than in the um, – coming into this class is worse than in the top ten pick on probably nobody, right? And um, safety is kind of like the defensive version of the running back position. It's, it's a needed position. It's a position that exists on the football field, but not one that people put a whole lot of value and stock into. Um, you know, historically you've seen us – you know, uh, decided we're just going to, you know, miss on Earl Thomas. Earl Thomas was available. We decided not to take him. It's never been a very a, a specific uh, focus on putting stock into the safety position, especially that high in the draft since Harry Rose has been in charge. 
But um, I'm thinking unless something happens that we're not foreseeing and somebody who we're looking at is probably a top five pick drops down to 10, I think how it trades back, trades out of it, and tries to get more value and stacks up more picks, even if that's a pick for the future and next year. Yeah, I, I don't see anything wrong with that. Luke, who did you have the Eagles taking at 10 when we talked last week? A corner. Did you? I, I yeah. had him taking Brian Branch. Uh, I just – Brian Branch, he's a safety though, right? Yep, on yeah. Alabama, ironically. Yeah, I just – I looked yeah, at the team and I said, I don't know what else they need. <laughs> he's brilliant. He's, he's brilliant. Uh, there will be there will be needs. Twenty three agents. Um, you got to make decisions about everybody from Miles Sanders to um, Zach Pascal to. Uh, I'm taking Joey Porter. Joey Porter. Joey Porter is interesting. Joey Porter is interesting. I wonder if I wonder if they'll invest that type of stock into a cornerback, even one as good as him, though that's high in the draft. Though it just doesn't seem to be the business model. I've had them taking a cornerback in my drafts for the past three years. They keep taking defensive ends and defensive tackles. <laughs> So. <laughs> with, yeah, the exception of, with, with the exception of Devontae Smith, that worked out pretty well for us. Yeah, yeah, I was going to say that that didn't uh, that, that didn't falter one bit there. Um, yeah, I just I, like this team is just so well built, and I, I don't like if I'm if I'm picking at ten, I, I think I think you've kind of talked me into the what else can we stack stockpile picks for with this ten? You know, if one of those quarterbacks mm. is still sitting there at ten. You know, who, who who wants to move up to get them? And now you control all that, you know. So I think that's I think that's a good play moving down. Just the rich get richer. <laughs> it's the easiest way good to position say to be in. You're a legitimate Super Bowl contender with an MVP <laughs> caliber quarterback, and you got the top ten picking the draft for two first-rounders. We're in a pretty good spot. <laughs> hey, before we, before we let you go here, uh, we, we do something uh, with, with a lot of our guests and uh, if you had a moment, uh, would would you be interested, sir, in playing a round of what we like to call Uber Facts? Yes, do it. Uber Facts, the most unimportant things you'll never need to know. Uh, Uber Facts, once again, guys, if you don't know Uber Facts, it's it's literally that. It's it's the most most odd facts that are proven real that make no sense whatsoever. The way this works is I have four facts. You have to sniff out which is the fake fact, which is the one I have made up. So that is the, the whole point of this game. Luke, uh, last week we gave you a mulligan to start the, start the season where you didn't get to play against anybody. So you, have, you do have one win under your belt. And as we said, you are playing against every week's writer that plays Uber Facts. So you get a rotating board of opponents, Luke. You are up 1-0, and you, you have been given the, the mulligan, you, the power play, if you will. All right, here we go, folks. Once again, you have to stiff out which is the fake fact. Fact number one, Steve Harvey works just 36 days a year and receives $25 million annually. Number two, Pablo Picasso's full name was Pablo Diego Jose Francisco de Paula Juan Nepomucino Crispin Crispinano Maria Remedos de la Santisma Trinidad Ruiz Picasso. Whew, my God. Uh, number three, Casper the Friendly Ghost was a teenager who died of pneumonia after sledding all day. His full name is Casper McFadden. And number four, John Adams, the second president of the United States, started smoking when he was just eight years old. I think John Adams did start smoking 
I'm not sure about the Casper thing. The fake one's got to be Steve Harvey. Steve Harvey works more than anybody I know. He's he's the host of like 16 different shows. <laughs> unless, I, they, unless they record all the episodes the same day. I'm going to go with Steve Harvey as well. That didn't sound right to me as well. Yeah, Steve Harvey works harder than anybody I've ever seen. <laughs> <laughs> well, you, you guys both are correct. You both sniffed out the fact. It was actually um, – Pat Sajak and Vanna White only work 36 days a year and receive the money. That that I would believe. Steve Harvey has a radio show. He owns Family Feud. He's got a talk <laughs> show. He's, he's got 16 different jobs. What, and he's rich so when, when I when I when I alter the fact, I'm thinking of Family Feud, and I'm going, well, they record like 10 episodes a day. So this would make yeah, sense. Yeah, Family and, Feud does that, and uh, Soul Train used to do something like that too. Yeah. And then, as as we were talking with you, uh, you know, part of the way through the interview, I'm looking, I'm looking at this. I'm going, wait, he does like the beauty pageant, and I was like, oh man, I just, I just teed them up with a free point on this one. I should have put like, I don't know, some yeah, other. I don't know. I've, I've never seen Steve Harvey take a day off to be honest. I should have put Howie Mandel or something like that on there. So, yeah. <laughs> some little, yeah, teed that up. And I said, here, here's, here's the, uh, here's the. Bean ball, hit it out of the yard, if you will. Hey, <laughs> um, man, I greatly appreciate you coming on, talking. It was a blast. Uh, one of the most knowledgeable people we've had talking about their team. I love it. Um, excited uh, have you come back, you know, off-season time. We, all, we always are – we're big, big draft people. We, we tend to bring every team on to talk about their draft, and then we tend to do a live draft where we have uh, – all the reps come back on and draft for their team live on air. We have a big party show. Um, so hopefully we can get you back here a couple more times this off season and uh, have some more fun talking football with you, sir. I appreciate you guys for having me. Go birds. <laughs> All right. We'll see you later, sir. Jeffrey Knox coming in here talking inside the Eagles. I, he, he, he kind of made me, made me really buy into this team, Luke. They're tight. Eagles are tight, although I think they're going to lose in the Super Bowl to whoever they face. Dang. Yeah, I, I, I agree. I don't think anybody in that, in that NFC can, can take them. I just don't. Yeah. Um, we got our trade discussion here, Luke. Oh, we took three goal. teams. So we, we took six total teams that we thought – would be interested in making the move to number one um, and take that Chicago Bears pick because the Bears are most likely trading this thing, as we discussed. Last week, we came on with our ever-so-early top 18 mock where we mock draft all the teams that didn't make the playoffs. Um, no trades in there whatsoever, and I still can't believe somebody had Jalen Carter falling to 10. I had him going three to the Cardinals. Um, I think you did too, didn't you? Yeah, or number yeah. two or something like that. Yeah, because I think you had – I think we got both yeah, – Yeah, Anderson, C.J. Yeah, no, Stroud, yeah, Jerry Carter, yeah. Um, so the six teams that we agreed on were you, – you are going to be doing a trade offer for the Texans, the Raiders, and who's your third team? The Bucks. The Buccaneers, that's right, in case they uh, – TV 12 goes bye-bye. I have the Colts, Falcons, Panthers. I'm going to tee up with this one, Luke. Tell me your thoughts. Carolina gives up 9, 39, 145, and then a first. Would that get it done? I would take that if I were the Bears. Um, what, do you, what do you got for Tampa? 
So for Tampa, I had um, hold on, I gotta scroll down here. Jeez. Um, so I have the 19th overall pick, next year's first rounder, Chris Godwin, and a second round pick. That's interesting throwing in the Godwin piece. I don't think I do it. No. I don't think I do it because I know if if I have like eight emails, you know, you know, kind of like what we do, you know, in our Madden Dynasty when we put in those trade offers and it'll list those teams that are sending you offers. Yes. Like I feel like if I keep hitting right on the D pad, I'm gonna find something better than that. You might. I think it's hard. It's gonna be as I was doing the Bucks, I thought it was gonna be really hard for the because they're moving up almost twenty spots. They gotta give up a lot. Yeah, and I mean when you when you tee in the fact that if you go off the value chart, Tampa Bay's first round picks with eight hundred and seventy five points, the Bears figures were three thousand. Yeah, I just don't think the Bears would have to get so much from them to move up that far just because of that fact. Like, so as I was doing it, I was like, oh, God. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you, 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 yeah, you could trade the whole, their whole draft and they still wouldn't make that, that value. And if teams really yeah. covet that value chart, it's not happening. Um, another, I'm going to say, you know, so here's another one for you. Give me your thoughts. Atlanta Falcons, I'd be giving up 844.75 and a 2024 first and fifth. What were they? Eight forty-four seventy-five, a first and a fifth next year. Oh, so that'd be eighteen sixty. Yeah, I think I would. Yeah, I think I'd take it. Yeah, that would that would get the first, second, and third is pretty good. I think. Yeah, and, and another first, and first, first next, next year in Atlanta mm-hmm. probably isn't going to be that great either. Yeah, you know so. You're you're hoping that next year's next year's pick is there, and I mean at yeah. eight, you could theoretically move back a couple more spots at eight. Yeah, for somebody who covets like an Anthony Richardson or if one of those quarterbacks are left, you know you're still grabbing a you know a Peter Skaronsky to play tackle or a Paris Johnson or a Brian Branch or something, you know. So yeah. You, you still could get one of those really good tackles and add more capital, too. Yeah, I think that's a good one. Like, I think that would be one the Bears, I think, would definitely look at as taking. Uh, what do you have the Raiders? So, well, this one, I don't think – so, I don't think – as I did the Raiders, I don't think the Raiders are going to be able to because I don't think they're willing to give up as – I know they're only moving up six spots, but what I have is Devontae Adams – pick seven, and then a second-round pick this year. That's it, which I think is like 39th or something like that, if I remember. Um, yeah, 38th pick, yep. Yeah. So, I mean, I guess you got to figure, is is Devontae Adams worth the 16th pick in the draft? I think so. So that's, that's the equivalent to make the 3,000 points work. Yeah. So that's what that's what I had. They get the Bears get their big wide receiver they need as a as a uh, weapon for him. They still they only move back six spots, so they can still get that left tackle or the defensive player, and they get a second round pick out of it. 
Yeah, and and I think you still can get that offensive lineman of your choice too. Yeah. Unless Detroit takes one. Exactly. You know, so that could change it. Detroit could be an issue with what they're doing. Um and you still may have yeah. I, I like that one. I think I think that one I I like that much more than the Bucks. I think that could get it done. Um and then the Colts. So I have the Colts giving up number four, number seventy nine. So first and a third, a next year's first and a fourth, and Michael Pittman. Ooh. Ooh. Because Pittman's a good one. free agent next year, after next year, yep. so he could walk. Yep. So the Colts might as well try to get something for him. It's only a three-spot move. You're getting a first next year, adding a third this year, and a fourth next year on top of it. I like it. I like it a lot. That's my favorite one so far. And what do you got for your uh, Houston? So I got Houston giving up pick number two. The second round pick, which is pick 33, 34. Third round pick, which is pick 66. And Brandon Cooks. 100% I would take that. Right. You're giving me a second, third, and Brandon Cooks, and I'm still getting Will Anderson. Yeah. And yeah, I, think I, Houston's, think, I think Houston's dumb enough to do that because they're they're going to want that QB. They're going to want their choice, I think. Yeah, this is – the Bears are doing the Trubisky trade all over again but not getting fleeced. Yeah. Yeah, that's for sure what's going to happen. And Houston I – think, I think the two teams that are ultimately going to be in the war for number one are the Colts and – Houston, and I think it's just – I think Houston's going to give up what they have to to get their choice of the QB they want. Yeah, I, and, and everything that I've seen now, all the hype seems to be that the Colts want to trade up to one because they want Levis. That's what I've seen too. But we heard that with Malik Willis last year. Yeah, but we never heard anyone trying to trade up that high for Malik Willis. Yeah, I totally agree. Now, I guess here's the question. This is something that we should probably, you know, do our due diligence, per se. Um, And, I I mean, obviously, as we get closer to the draft, we turn into draft fiends. You know, are we just so accustomed that we saw so much from Stroud and Young that we just didn't watch enough Kentucky so we don't even have an opinion on Levis? Is that one of those things where we should be watching more of him? I think so. I think, if I remember right, he held, like, a mini pro day. And everyone said he looked good, but, like, at the same time, he's throwing to his wide receivers in a dome. So, it's kind of hard not – like, you know what I mean? Yeah. But I think he'll be a first-round pick for sure. I, I oh, think I think he'll be a top-four pick. Yeah, I uh, think – I think I'd – I would rather have – so the way that I have my QBs ranked, I've been starting to – I'm taking our draft thing a little more serious this year. I've been actually grading my top five at every position. Um, give me just a second to pull it up because I didn't have it up because I didn't know I was getting into this with you. Um, <laughs> Sorry about that. Because I, I just I'm, – I'm thinking more and more about it and – I'm I'm with you where I feel like I I feel like Stroud is going to be a NFL quarterback. Um, 
There we go. Okay, hold on. I found it. I have them all labeled something different, so I had to find the one that said QB. Um, so I have... The way that I have mine ranked is, is I have... God, come on. Oh, are you serious? It's not loading. Anyway. This thing is horrible. I'm sorry, folks. <laughs> this is embarrassing. There we go. I got it now. Jesus. Criminy. So I, the way that I have mine ranked, actually, is I have mine CJ Stroud 1, Will Levis 2, Bryce Young 3, Anthony Richardson 4, and then Hendon Hooker 5. So you got Levis at 2. Yeah. I think he has more of an arm talent than Bryce Young has. Yeah, and I think Bryce Young just has that, excuse me, I'm young, has that stigma of, it's you know, Alabama. Yeah. So you just think big time. Yeah. Yep, yep. Yeah, I feel like all big schools get that, though. Like, even the Mac Joneses coming out, and, you know, they go to that big school, so everyone thinks they must be, like, the best. Yeah. No, I'm I'm intrigued to see how it's going to go. I mean, I think I think they're... There's a really good chance that we see four quarterbacks go in the first ten picks. Um, there is a very strong possibility. I do agree. I do agree. I think it's going to depend on. So I think Houston takes one for sure. Indianapolis will take one eventually. I think it's going to depend on what Vegas and Atlanta do in the off season. Because if Las Vegas attracts, like, a Tom Brady or an Aaron Rodgers or, like, a veteran of some kind. Mm-hmm. And same with Atlanta. It depends on what they want to do. But I think there is a very strong possibility. Um, yeah, you got you got my, my mind kind of swirling out. Because now it's, it's, it's one of those things now, like, all right, we, you know, Richardson Levis, Young Stroud go high. When does Hooker like how how far does Hendon Hooker fall? Is he, I mean, is he second round? Yeah, or third? Didn't he tear his ACL? Yep, and he's like twenty seven or something, twenty six, isn't he? I bet he falls to like the third or the fourth. Does he go before Max Duggan? Because you got him ranked higher. Are you are you second yes. guessing your your ranking now? I am second guessing. I'm <laughs> second guessing my ranking now. Um, because I remember we were talking about the Vikings at ninety taking him. Oh God! If the Vikings took him at ninety, I would just fucking <laughs> everywhere. Um, I I don't know. Um, I think if Hendon Hooker's injury heals the way they think it's going to and properly, I think there's no question that he shouldn't be a second round pick. Like there's there's just not. Um but with the injury maybe I throw Max Duggan in at five instead of Ant Hendon Hooker. I th- I think either are fair where you have them. Yeah. Oh, it's gonna be interesting. I'm I'm excited this I I'm with them. I'm all ready to start getting into this, this draft talk. And, you know, we kind of got timeline laid out here. Um, 
March 15th, myself and uh, Nick, Nick Hagberg will be on. Luke will be on, uh, not on location, if you will. We'll be doing our NFL free agency show that day. So free agency kicks off. And then two, four, five, five weeks after that, um, or excuse me, six weeks is our live mock. Ooh, yeah. When are we starting uh, our weekly mock draft? Uh, I would say probably after free agency. That's tight. You're tight, Ryan. You know, because then I think when free agency is over, you get a better idea yeah, of who's what sure. where. Um, coming up next week, uh, we're – we should have some we should have some cowboy talk, depending win or loss. Uh, got a couple of people lined up here uh, from the the Cowboys that wanted to chat. Couldn't set it up tonight though, but uh, was was interested in next week jumping on. Um, we're we're still going to keep trying to knock out more of these guests. Uh, I reached out to somebody about from the Colts today to try to get them in last minute, but we couldn't get it done. So we're going to have guests lined up here, you know, the next few weeks out here until uh, the Super Bowl. On the was it twelfth or whatever it would be. The February so we got, 12th. we got, we got, we're lined up and covered. Then we'll start getting into our, you know, team previews and free agency, uh, draft previews, things like that. I should say our draft previews, and then after the draft, you know, then then we heavy hit, you know, a couple teams a week where we dig in for a half hour with you know on each side of the ball and really really dig in with these great writers we have and really talk to these teams and get the predictions and. You know, getting to the meat and potatoes of it. So I'm, I'm excited, man. We got we got some some fun lined up here, uh, Sportscast Radio, coming up in the the few weeks. Um, anything else you got tonight for us, Lukey Dukey? I just want to let you guys all know that I love y'all, every last one of you. <laughs> uh, with that being said, instead of going overtime and much longer, uh, we are done. Nice ninety minutes for you. Appreciate y'all coming on. And uh, tomorrow night, WrestleCast Radio should be a go. I believe we're doing the awards show finally. So I'm excited. I got to get mine ranked. But we'll be, we'll be with you. See you next Wednesday. Peace out. Bye-bye.